Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and welcome to Eddie and Mike, the podcast. It's me, Mike. I'm here with my guy. Eddie P. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Mike, stop the presses. Uh, we, we need to have a real serious conversation about uh, Matthew Judon's comments regarding a certain Thanksgiving dish. Uh Brother Judon went on to just flat out disrespect macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I, I I don't know who hurt him, and if maybe he was eating some of that like that that mac and cheese, you know, just with no love, no no heart put into it. You know that that that's my only thought is you know, or or, or maybe he was raised with a with a Karen type. <laughs> Or, or peas or something foolish in the macaroni and cheese. Who put raisins in mac and cheese? I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm just speculating on, on what could have caused this young man to just be so hateful towards such a, a simple but phenomenal dish. Uh, yeah, just, you know, we got to get it off the table or his comments. It's just noodles and cheese. I uh, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Like, I don't know. Maybe he – I'm hoping he just don't like cheese. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm hoping – Maybe? I don't know. Like, he didn't say he was lactose, so I'm hoping – Yeah. I don't know. And I, I get it. Maybe that's just – I mean, maybe he just don't rock with it, but I'm just saying – you, you you fight in a lot of history and culture and yeah, I'm just saying. Like even vegans try to make mac and cheese, mac and cheese because it's so good. I'm just saying. I just, I mean, what kind of Russian foolishness is that? You don't like macaroni and cheese? Like, my goodness. Uh, what's your favorite dish? Honestly, I, I'm a little simple. It's kind of in that super starch carb realm of some form of potatoes, mashed potatoes or scalloped potatoes. We usually try to have some form of like biscuits, cornbread, corn on the cob. I know that's not necessarily a, a traditional staple of Thanksgiving, but those are some of mine. I, I realize you said one. I can't pick. No, nah, because actually my answer – I was trying to think of one dish that's my favorite, but there's really no dish that I prefer over another, if you know what I'm saying. But I'll tell you this. What I like to do is I like to get two separate plates. And usually I only eat two um, plates on Thanksgiving. It's wild, but that's true. Um, <laughs> I get a plate that's like a traditional Thanksgiving plate. Turkey, gravy, uh, mashed potatoes, stuffing, you know, um, a roll maybe, and then I like to call get another plate that I call a soul food plate, where it's greens, my um, greens, my mother's potato salad, chicken and ham, in a roll or something. Like that's how I do Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, a, a good ham, especially like a nice honey baked type ham, is extremely underrated on Thanksgiving. 
I'm not disrespecting the turkey. I will eat turkey, even though regardless of who cooks it and how you cook it, it tends to be kind of dry. I know you say, oh, that's when you come in with the gravy. Come <laughs> for me if you want. I do not like gravy. Mm. Gravy, it's not my thing. If you like it, more power to you. You can have mine. I don't want it. Having said that, that's where a nice honey ham with that nice crispy skin on the outside comes into play. Delicious. And all the more, like why I'm saying I like the sides, because I have my turkey, and then I put my potatoes, especially with scalloped potatoes, throw that on top of it and kind of mix it all in there just a little bit. Not all together, but just mm -hmm. enough. So I'm now getting hungry, so we're going to have to move on. I'm <laughs> telling you, bro, that Papa's turkey will bless your life. That's all I'm saying. Never have. Man, I might bring you some on um, Friday or something. Like, Okay. You got to try it, I'm just saying. But okay. um, to turn to a more serious topic, um, defensive lineman for the Minnesota Vikings, Everson Griffin, he's in a peculiar situation right now. <clears throat> um, Eddie, actually, can you explain the story to us? You have a better idea of what's going on. Okay, so here's what it amounts to. On Wednesday, because you, you you guys realize, you know, people of, of this guy's stature, their, their social media is a little bit more heavily viewed <laughs> than the average person. So on Wednesday, in the wee hours of the night slash early morning, he was making posts about people that were trying to come to his house to kill him, not necessarily being specific about what this was about, you know what I mean? And, the, and the, there's not even any speculation, you know, as far as like, oh, he owed somebody money, gambling, blah, blah, blah. None of that has been speculated, just to throw that out there. Um, but he ended up calling 911 around 3 a.m. That's when I was talking about wee hours of the night, et cetera. And he, he kind of got to where several hours later in the morning, 7 a.m., uh, he's refusing to come out of his house, kind of in what's a standoff with police. And the Vikings are releasing a statement saying that they just hope he and his family are okay and nobody gets hurt. Uh, I feel like if something really bad had happened, then we would have heard about it. But this was obviously much earlier today. And there haven't been really any updates. So uh, I imagine between the Vikings and even, you know, you know, law enforcement, et cetera, that some, some form of, of uh, clinical and psychiatric support was called into play. So hopefully everything's okay there. Uh, you know, mental illness is no joke. I know Calvin Ridley for the Falcons is, is, uh, I believe he's still out on leave for mental illness. You know, these guys make a ton of money and they, it looks like they're living the life, but I tell you that, that head trauma is no joke. And, uh, you know, they, they, they go through things just like we do. Um, breaking news one minute ago, Rick Spillman, um, Vikings general manager, on getting Griffin to the healthcare facility after hours of standoff outside his house ended peacefully says, we feel very, very blessed that we got the result we did today to get him the help he needs. 
and um, that was tweeted by Chad Graff at Chad Graff on Twitter. Um, Graff G R A F F. Um, so yeah, it looks like all ends well, and <clears throat> just uh, like you said, just like, yeah, and just like you said, um, the last news we heard the better. So the fact that this is the news we're getting now, um, yeah, it looks like it's all good. So um, they said he came out. <laughs> this is wild. Um, oh, okay. This um, Central Time. He came out of his house shortly after 1.30 p.m. Central Time um, and was transported via MLS to an area healthcare facility. So, yeah, he's he's out. Like, we don't know anything outside of that. He's safe and headed to a healthcare facility. And um, we hope all works out for the man. Like, not even football-wise, just personally. We could care less if he ever plays it down again. Just want them to be good mentally because that's very important. And we say that so much because, bruh, <laughs> like when your mind starts attacking you, it's the most miserable thing ever. Trust me, I've been through it. <laughs> like you don't want them problems. So if you really are struggling mentally or even emotionally, seek the help. They have free resources for it now. Like, there really is no excuse. Shoot. And if you really, like, if you don't want to talk to nobody, you just want to get something off your chest, hit us up. Well, not, not hit us up, but hit anybody up. Like, just, you, you don't have to go through this alone. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I think Mike's speaking to the fact that I believe uh, male suicide is uh, twice as high uh, as it is uh, in females. And it, 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 I mean, yeah, that's true. But I'm just saying in general, honestly, like for anybody. Like, sure. sure. But what I mean is one, one thing uh, in, in most cases leads to another, right? You know, the mm-hmm. holding it in and, and, and not reaching out, not, not speaking to someone about whatever it is you're going through because of that, um, that, that, that old stereotype of, you know, being tough and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And you, you can only imagine, you know, this guy, like I said, you know, you, you see where they're making this money and they're playing a child's game for a living. And it seems as though on the outside, everything is just, you know, uh, uh, as, as nice as it can be. It's not always the case. And, you know, as you said, you know, if you you got to find an outlet of some sort and, and use it, you know. So I'm going to try to turn a more positive note here. Coincidentally, with the football team, for the second straight week, we're going from a down topic to a happier note on their end. Um, two straight wins, man. And it's been over quality opponents. They took out the champs and at home, then traveled to Carolina and took out a tough Panthers team, especially the defensive. My goodness, Taylor Heineke threw three touchdowns. <laughs> like, come on, y'all. Give it up for the Bama. Yeah, he's he's definitely improving. He's a gamer, man. He really is. Uh, I, I thought – it's for the most part, an, another clean game for him. You know, he, he no turnovers. Yeah, yeah. Util, utilized his legs. Uh, just, just made plays, especially 
in the clutch, the third and the fourth down plays. He was he was making plays for us. So I I don't really have much else to say. I thought Cam surprised me a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know it, it was a good win. It was it was a good win for Ron come back to Carolina and get that victory. Uh, but I I kind of thought you know honestly, the way things were, I just kind of thought we were the better team. I thought we should have won. To be honest, that's just my opinion. And bruh, the fact that um, Gibson had those two fumbles, um, one in the red zone, like who knows how that game could have went. But um, I like the way Al Galdi puts it. Um, He calls it the double whammy when you defer in the first half and you score a touchdown right before the first half ends. You get the ball back in the second half and score another touchdown. Yeah, Watching yeah. him pull that off on Sunday, and he's right. It's the first time it happened in a minute. I can't even tell you the last time that happened. Maybe 2015, possibly. Well, it's, it's definitely got to be an in-game confidence booster for sure, mm-hmm. you know, especially on defense if you're, you know, whether it's in coverage or rushing the passer. There's some level of freedom that I think comes along with knowing – that maybe you could take a chance, right? Uh, for for lack of a better term, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll say I thought resilience would probably be the appropriate term for what you're talking about with Gibson. And those are the little things that we've talked about in the past about liking Rivera and this new regime taking over. It's not looked great this year, but we're playing competitive despite injuries despite mistakes we're, we're we're not giving up some of these years past all of you guys our listeners you know what i'm talking about a fumble especially like the one in the red zone with gibson would have caused the floodgates to go open in in the shanahan era in the zorn era in the spurrier era in the, i mean you name it majority of the eras that you guys and myself and mike have lived through you know that's what would have happened. So definitely big up to the football team for playing tough. Uh, three in a row, I don't know. I, I think we can do it. I really do. What I don't want is for us to kind of assume that Seattle can't bounce back into the team that on paper they are. Mm-hmm how they have looked. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying because of how they looked doesn't mean they can't continue to look that way and we can't beat up on them. I just don't want us to go in thinking that, like, this is a formality. We just got to play the game and win. Like, to me, Luck- they got to and really get after it. Luckily, just like you explained, since Rivera's here, I have no problem believing that the players won't get too full of themselves. Especially a Bama like Heineke, man. Like this, like I am, I am really starting to like fall in love with this dude, bro. Like <laughs> the man, he's a gamer. Like I know he can't make every throw. I get that. Even the throw to McLaurin, there was a beef on Twitter. Uh, some were saying that the um, the pass to McLaurin could have been better. Some were saying that McLaurin jumped too early, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, you know what? It was a shot they took. They didn't hit. We won the game. We move on. 
Hopefully the next time they take the shot, they hit it. If they don't, and then we win the game, we move on. And that's what I'm just starting to think with Heineke. Like, people, I like the way, um, once again, how Goldie put it. If he was like, if Heineke was a third-round rookie, if we drafted him in the third round this past season, we'd be smitten over this Bama. Yep. But unfortunately, that's not the reality. And that's why I feel, I still feel like regardless of what happens, they should draft a quarterback early in the draft. Now, as far as the rest of the season in this game goes, I expect them to win. I think they're favored by one right now. Um, I feel like that's a setup. I think Vegas is trying to get people to um, go go um, pick against the, um, Washington. Um, but, yeah, it's Monday night football. You know, we have our problems on Monday night. So that is a concern. But outside of that, they should be able to handle business. I really do expect them to um, get a comfortable win based on the way they've been playing, based on the way Seattle's been playing, um, based on just – you know, their resolve. They don't give up. They straight yeah, up don't give up. Three like, row nice. Like I love the I love the fight on the team right now. Like I would love a comfortable win. Like I know I said on the uh, pick'em show that we were gonna have a comfortable win. But honestly, the way I see this team right now is like that scrappy boxer. Like they don't have the knockout power. And they're not really fancy with it either. They'll just drag the fight out. Like, it'll be a brawl. Like, just a long brawl. Like, you might get some punches on them, but they're going to get some punches back. And they might not hurt as hard, but at the end of the fight, you'll see that they were the better fighter. And hopefully, we'll see that they were the better team. All right, so... We're getting down to a nitty-gritty list of 26 for the NFL Class of 2022 Hall of Fame induction. Uh, got some notable names, uh, especially – I mean, this is just crazy for me. Guys, like, just as I was coming out of high school, early college type era, you know, guys like Jared Allen, Rondé Barber, Anquan Bolden, who – not that far removed from playing, to be honest. Uh, Eddie George, Tory Holt, Andre Johnson, Steve Smith, Richard Seymour, Fred Taylor, Heinz Ward, Demarcus Ware, uh, Reggie Wayne, Vince Wilford, Patrick Willis, uh, Darren Woodson, um, and then you know some older guys like Bryant Young, Steve Tasker, Tony Baselli, Willie Anderson, Eric Allen. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of big names on that list. So, um, it's so wild that you said. Old, you. Go ahead. You said older guys and Brian Young, and I'm like, shoot, I remember him in this prime. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> yep, Ricky Waters too. There's a real blast from the past. Oh, I remember him too. <laughs> Ricky running Waters. I remember him more with the 49ers, though. I think he came from Philly to the 49ers. Yep. Yeah, you're correct. So, I'm not that old. <laughs> Corey Holt, greatest show on turf. You know, Anquan Bolden and Heinz Ward, those are two, like, just tough-nosed receivers right there. Uh, Eddie George, 
uh, man, I think like first five seasons, 1,500 yards, and I believe it's uh, him, Eric Dickerson, and LT are the only guys to do that, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, you got Robert Mathis on there, kind of always heavily underrated, playing opposite Dwight Freeney on that indie defensive line. And, I mean, he was always really good. So it kind of made it so Freeney wouldn't get double teamed because you had Mathis on the other end. It's a lot of names on here, bro. Really like, is. I can, the bottom of the list, if they went with these five, and this is the bottom of the list, if they went with these five, nobody would complain. Brian, mm-hmm. Brian Red, Young. Vince Wilfork, Willis, Woodson, and Bryant Young. Yeah. I definitely I, – I will not disagree with you with Patrick Willis, and I think Vince Wilfork was – you know, he, he, like – Vince Wilfork is one of those guys that does stuff you can't put in the stat sheet. You know, I'm, I'm sure he has some stats for sure, but the man probably occupied so much space for that defense to allow other guys to make plays. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I wanted, is just heavily underrated. I wanted to play defense at tackle because of him. Because he was – uh Huh? He's an athlete too, exactly. though. Exactly, he's like dancing bear, bro. And that's why that's why I admired him so much because, um, you know, everybody growing up, everybody was like, "Oh, this big man. Oh, you're big. Oh, the Redskins—they need you on the offensive line. Oh, they need the offensive tackle. Offensive tackle. No, I wanted to play defense. And then I see this big dude. And people. Right, I see this big dude that's, like, moving light on his feet, kind of like I do because I played basketball more than football growing up. So, like, I'm able to move, and I see this dude catching touchdowns, and I'm like, I want to be him. I want to play like him. And the man was a beast, man. Like, straight up, one of my favorite defensive players ever. Um, I'm hoping he gets in. I feel like he does deserve to be a first-time um a first-time automatic ballot Hall of Fame member. But um, some of these other names, I don't know. It, it's going to be tough, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough seeing, seeing what happens there. Mike, so as we head into the uh, holiday seasons, because you know Christmas right around the corner from Thanksgiving, which do which would you prefer, the NFL on Thanksgiving or the NBA on Christmas? I thought long and hard about this. I could I, I I've been thinking about it ever since you um, produced it. I mean, not produced, told me the topic and. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to go with the Christmas and the NBA. I really do because yeah, understand. Um, don't get me wrong. Traditionally, the um, the NFL has had more memorable um, NFL games on Thanksgiving, but there's been just as many many memorable Christmas moments on the NBA. And um, yeah, I'll, I think I'll roll with the NBA on Christmas. I look forward to those six games. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I have a mixed 
feeling on this. So if, if I was to speculate just being objective, I think the NBA has it just no, no question about it. There's better matchups. It's throughout the day. So that's, that's my feeling on that. But that that's the key. Being, yeah, but me personally as a fan, mm-hmm. NFL fan. So it's not that I won't watch the games on Christmas because I will. I'll check them out. But I kind of look more forward to the NFL games, but I get it. You know, the, the tradition of Detroit playing every year <laughs> really messes things up. I know there was some years here and there when Detroit was actually tough and it was a little different. When Barry I, was there. Well, you know what I mean, man. Trying to trying to soften the blow there. But um anyway, it, yeah, they so I get that part. But my my opinion has a slight bias like I said cuz I'm more liking to watch an NFL game than an NBA game, but that's not like a done deal. I won't watch the NBA either. I get what you're saying. But I, uh, I yeah, better matchups. That's what it is. Exactly. Better matchups. I was I couldn't think when I was trying to think. I thought of all the scenarios or whatever. What why did I go to the NBA? But that's the nail on the head right there. Better matchups. Um let's say I don't know Christmas I don't know all the Christmas games this year, but what would you rather watch? The Bears and Lions or let's say the Bulls versus the Hornets? And those aren't even two of the like elite teams, but no, I'd probably definitely check that. No, knowing the roster for both those NBA teams, I'd probably definitely check out that matchup. But there's something I don't know how to explain it. You you know, football just being once a week. There's so many NBA games. That's right. kind of the, the other difference for me that makes it so. Even though the Christmas lineup could be a really dope lineup for the NBA. We've probably seen that game before. I know that there's going to be many more games to come. I get they might not all be on the same day, but I also don't plan on watching the NBA all day the way I sort of will be with the NFL. So I lean more the NFL, but I have a biased opinion. True that. I definitely think I'll be more likely to watch the three NFL games back-to-back than the six NBA games back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back. Um, speaking of the NBA and back to back, the Wizards hoping to avoid back to back losses. Um, they cannot beat the Hornets. It seems like. <laughs> um, oh, we talked about what that was. Their their style of play really didn't help them. They were trying to shoot the three too much. They let the Hornets get back in. The Hornets were young and were running on them. So. Um, I did the episode of uh, Wizards the Classified, and uh, Rashad brought up that play that Rozier hit on Holiday. Had you seen it yet? Yeah, the behind the back dribble hesitation. I didn't um, watch the game from start to finish. I had to watch it on. Um, me and my wife went out, but um, yeah, they they took it to us. Uh, Mello, he's a, he's nice. He's a beast. Um, I think right now the Wizards are still in a good good place. Like the six games that they lost, 
like it's not like they were bad L's. Like I couldn't even name the six teams off the top of my head. Probably it was two to the Hornets, one to the Heat. The Raptors got them. The Hawks got them once, and the Nets got them. Like those aren't those aren't six losses that I'm like, oh man, we could have, we should have won those games. Like the teams, they just got us those nights. Yeah, and a lot of them were tough games, but it, it it's similar to what I mentioned in in regards to the Rivera thing. We're playing tough. We've got a lot more depth, and without sounding like I'm making excuses, the team is still learning to play together. You got three to four new guys that came with the trade in terms of uh, Kuzma, Harrell, and Caldwell Pope. You also got Dinwiddie factored in there. He wasn't part of the trade, but a a free free agent acquisition. So you got all those guys mixing it in, along with Chris Burt, who's a rookie, right? You're waiting for Bryant and Rory to come back. So there's a lot of moving parts there, and they're just – they're competing. So even though – you know, these losses suck. Like you said, they're not, they're nothing to get worried about because of the caliber of team that they lost to. And the fact that it was a close matchup. People keep, they say that the team is playing well and they don't know how Rui and Thomas Bryant will fit when they return and whatnot. I'm like, look, first of all, and I hate the like, be negative towards the dude, but I'm just going to be real. Sometimes Gafford be tripping. He looked more like early McGee than the player <laughs> that he looked like last year. And um, I feel like he has caused the team one of those games. Um, rather it's foul trouble. <laughs> I'm being honest, bro. Rather it's foul trouble or just a dumb play. Like, I don't know maybe, what else to say. Maybe coming back could be helpful to him too for him you know sitting on the bench and kind of watching from that standpoint you know that 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 could be helpful then um because i see what you mean there's there's some some times where he's it's either catching the ball in the post in the paint or like the way he's attacking the rim where he kind of bobbles it and it's kind of rushed or just just a little bit goofy I, i know what you mean um I haven't been fortunate enough to, like, watch every single minute of every single game, but I have noticed a little bit of that. Uh, but cheers for us to get right uh, without looking past or sleeping on anybody. You know, you got the Pelicans, Thunder, Mavericks, and Spurs coming up. I'd say those four, the Mavericks, probably the toughest team we'll play. Of yeah. those four. Three and, those four. three and one seems doable. Two and two is acceptable. Anything under two and two is ridiculous. Absolutely. I know they're all on the road, but come on. Yeah, I mean, can't can't sleep on anybody, like I said, but I would definitely think probably Mavericks toughest team, you know, with Doncic and uh I the names are escaping me, but I know they got at least one or two pretty tall guys there. Is Porzingis still there too? Yeah, Porzingis still there, but I'm gonna tell you they're this really though. Don't sleep on the wolves and Anthony Edwards. Okay, well, we're going to – what is it, next month here in December, that's the – you know, then after that it's T-Wolves, Cavs, Raptors, Pacers, Pistons. And it's not till the Jazz that I think we really play – I mean, I guess the Pacers too a little bit, but um, it's not till then we play a really tough team, my opinion. 
So got an opportunity to, you know, get some wins. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for the rest of the season. It's 19 games to end the season. I mean, end the year, the 2021 year. Um, I feel like if they could win 10 of the last 19 games, they'll be 21 and 15. I can take that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the the, the next uh, what is that? Seven or eight games or more. Are pretty favorable you know not not saying that they should win them all but they're winnable that's for sure like more so than just the way you would say any given day blah 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 like these are games that you would think they should win so it'd be cool to win them all but yeah yeah like you said that'd be a nice record to come away with um, we had some drama at the Palace again on Sunday night, or, yeah, it was Sunday. Um, Isaiah Stewart and the the King, LeBron James, they got into a little situation. Um, <laughs> what quarter was it? Was it the first half still? I believe, I, I think it was early. I don't know about the first half. Might have been late second quarter. I mean, I know that's still first half, but like, you know what I mean? Like late second quarter, early third, because I know the, the sort of the narrative was that this happened and then there was a lot of drama, but then the turned it up to like get the victory, you know, from I think maybe a 20 point deficit almost. Yeah, I found that it was um, three minutes. I mean, it was nineteen nine minutes left in the third quarter. Um, LeBron inadvertently, officially inadvertently, threw an elbow at Isaiah Stewart. And um, Isaiah Stewart was bloody, eye-busted, mouth-busted, nose-busted. Um, I'm just saying, with that much force, how could it be that accidental? Like... I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, it was very – it looked targeted to me. But, anyway, um, Isaiah Stewart lost it and started charging LeBron. Um, a lot of people said that if he was about that life, he would have did it as soon as he walked up to LeBron. But um, maybe that was his strategy to, like, fake it a little bit and then try to glass him. I don't know. But um, because of Isaiah Stewart's history – of allegedly dirty plays, including kicking Luka Donitz and the um, nuts <laughs> inadvertently, officially. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't want to defend him for his actions. And like I said, they're calling him a gump for refusing, I mean, for waiting to attack him. And um, I just saw that John Boy had a video on the altercation, so you know I'm going to watch that after the show. <laughs> um <laughs> But what's your thoughts on the whole situation, man? I really don't have too much to say on it. So, yeah, I was going to touch on what you what you mentioned, where there's some some Marcus Smart like uh, uh, type of play, if you will, you know, trying to 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 push the limit on what you can get away with as far as tough guy play trying to get in the opponent's head Dennis Rodman like if you will uh so I get that part and maybe he was getting under LeBron's skin in some type of way it definitely seemed like LeBron hit him on purpose not necessarily like 
I want to hurt you or I want to injure you. But maybe just like I said, he got under his skin some type of way. Um, you know, I, I don't – obviously nobody's going to let LeBron get – I mean, they, they would have all these fans get in the way uh, of Isaiah Stewart. I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I, I get it. I'd be mad too. But I'm I'm just saying, like not the next time they play. That's that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, it's gonna be wild. And I know the NBA was feeling it. Um it happened when it happened because the game that um they both were suspended, I believe. LeBron one game, Isaiah Stewart two game, basically for escalating the situation. Um I know New York I mean um the NBA office was feeling it because the game he missed was against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. And um, I think about all the people that wanted to see LeBron at Madison Square, spent their hard money, and um, yep. because of a poor decision on both players' part. A lot of people who feel this were hurt. That, that's a very good point. But, you know, it – Things like that are gonna happen too. Although, like I said, it I really think he did it on purpose, but it's LeBron. He's not known for being a dirty player, neither. But I kind of wanna sort of switch topics and I'm starting to change my opinion as I'm about to propose this, but I saw this was happening on ESPN in, in regards to the situation we just spoke about where Stephen A. Smith was proposing that LeBron James is not feared the way a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan is. Now, I think we have to really sit and think on that because he continued to say it not from a competitive standpoint. I'm assuming he means that in a way, a lot of dudes in this league are buddies and they're friends. And so, it's not like back in the day where, you know, Jordan and, and say like John Starks or uh, Jordan and Reggie Miller or, you know, bad boys, Celtics, other, other teams didn't just absolutely hate each other. Right. And in today's world, he's saying that people aren't really afraid of LeBron. Now, JJ Redick wanted to take him to task and say, that's not true, but I think there was a, uh, misconception there like i said from the player to the person you got any thoughts on that um i'm gonna agree but that's not necessarily a bad thing and honestly if i were to continue the jordan versus lebron debate that may actually favor lebron the fact that nobody does fear him the fact that nobody's really scared or, um, you know, they want to go after him, that means that they're getting their best on a nightly basis. Like, LeBron, who are you? I'm going to kill you tonight. Like, if he's getting that every single night, you got Jordan, you got Bama's that want to um, – sure, they're buddy-buddy nowadays, but even back in the day, sure, they might have hated each other, but like you said, they were scared of Jordan. Yeah, people, they were people were scared of Kobe, but if you notice, like towards the end of Kobe's career, Bama's used to go at him too. Yeah, like that's just the way the culture, the baller culture is right now. 
Like there's no fear anymore. And I think it's better for the game. Like you see all these young bounders coming in. Like I just talked about Anthony Edwards earlier. Like dude dropping multiple 40 point games so far this season. Like the youngins are coming. The youngins are coming. Fair enough. <laughs> I can dig that. I, like I said, the whole league is is a lot more friendly. But I do agree, like, dudes are going at each other more. Uh, just more speaking to, you know, I, I think people do feel LeBron. I, I can't remember if it's uh, Doc's kid. Somebody was trying to throw the ball to the ref and it hit LeBron. And LeBron turned around and was about to give him that work. And he was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, yo, like, and it, no big deal. But I, I think that's more where Stephen A's going is that, like, people aren't going to, like, try and test his gangster in that sense. Not, you know, from a ball standpoint. <sighs> but I think that's about it, man. Okay. Is that how Stephen A was saying it for real? Like, I think man, so. I was only We saw people go throw hands with Kobe. <laughs> man, matter of fact, one of my first Kobe memories was um yeah Sunday night um Sunday basketball Chris Charles caught that man with a mean two piece pow pow like oh the Stephen they be off that sometimes like I don't know but like you said that's it man like whatever yep Stephen A if you hear this come come chill with us bro we need to talk but sometimes you be on why not <laughs> the last but for real we'll let it happen my guy come come in with us. Hey. All right, y'all. Uh...